20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. My guest is the one and only Carmen Vitale. You can follow her on Twitter or X at Carmi V. Of course, you can find her on Fox Sports. Carmen, welcome back to the show. Happy Super Wild Card Week. Happy Super Wild Card Week. It is very super. I'm so excited about the matchups and the, the script. I keep saying it, but the NFL script writers really outdid themselves for this 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 week. It does. It, the, every game is good. Uh, I was it just is. talking to Mike Wall. Like Tampa, uh, Philly is probably the worst matchup, and that still has a ton of intrigue to it, especially mm-hmm. the way like Philly is just like literally stumbled into the collapsing. Playoff. Yeah, collapsing. everything underneath them is collapsing. Jalen Hurts is hurt. Uh, so yeah, it's just hasn't a, it's thrown a ball game. since Sunday apparently. <laughs> Crazy. So yeah, I think everything has at least either good matchups, good storylines, or intrigue in some way, shape, or form. And I, I, I could not be more excited for this slate of matchups. And hopefully that leads to a good slate in the divisional round as well. But one of the teams that is playing this weekend is the Green Bay Packers. And that is because they defeated the Chicago Bears this past week, as we usually do. Just would love your thoughts on the overarching game this past week and any main takeaways that you had from that game. Yeah, I think you and I both kind of called the shot and there was I just didn't see a world where the Chicago Bears were going to pull that off as much as they had been playing better. And as much as their defense had been clamping down, it was it's one of those things where this rivalry, anything goes and the Packers had everything to play for. And it looked like it. They they were I, this, the score wasn't that high, but I really think that they the Packers were in control of that game for almost all of it. There was a little bit of a yeah, could they? Uh, as far as the Bears go, I think in the third quarter. Yeah, but they—I loved how involved Aaron Jones was. I love how unselfish this offense is, and it—it—it it, it, it was all working and clicking. And it almost seemed like practice for this upcoming game. That's a really great way to put it. And I've said all week, this is the most impressive 17 point offensive performance I've ever seen in my entire life. They, they dominated. They just didn't get the point production because of some mistakes at the end of drives, some drops, some fumbles, some um, right. bizarro end of half situations. But overall, I thought they did anything they wanted to against this Bears defense. And hopefully that does translate better this weekend against Dallas. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I thought defensively they put their second solid performance together, albeit against not super great offenses. By the way, it just feels like a a team that's trending in the right direction. They got three consecutive wins when they absolutely had to have three consecutive wins. And of course, the biggest takeaway, as it has been almost all season long, is the progression of Jordan Love. Um, He's the guy. There's no question about it. You wrote (laughs) specifically about And let me actually, before we even get there. Let me just say, you deserve a ton of credit for your call at the beginning <laughs> of the year uh, for uh, calling out that, uh, you know, Jordan was was going to be the guy. You also in, I think it was around week five, week six, posted, you know, when things weren't necessarily going the greatest, you sort of tried to calm everyone down and say, hey, these things take time. It's going to take time for Jordan to learn Matt, Matt to learn Jordan, and this offense just to start clicking. And lo and behold, wouldn't you know, it happens right around the, the Steelers game is when it felt like it really took off. And, and Matt sort of echoed those sentiments as well. But first of all, credit to you. But second of all, you had a great <laughs> article this week of how Green Bay once again nailed this quarterback succession plan. I'll kind of let you take it from there. Yeah, it was uh, 
it's incredible to say to have this kind of success and sustained success in this day and age, especially I wrote not in that article, but in another kind of follow up article that we all work on every week. Uh, our Fox Sports NFL staff works on every week. I talked about how it's a very sustainable model, the way Green Bay drafts a quarterback, lets them sit for a while and then ushers them in, in, in a new era. And it seems to work. But I also don't think that it would work anywhere else but Green Bay. And there are so many factors to that. And yes, Green Bay is a national. The Packers are a national brand. There are fans all over the country. But at the same time, it's still a small town. It's still a small market. And this team is not owned by one singular owner or family. It is owned by the community. And that is a huge advantage when it comes to being able to be patient and being able to stick with the things that you know work in an environment and in a league where return immediate return on investment is the standard and the norm and the expectation and so i really i commend the packers but i don't know that it's a model that's able to be copied by anybody else and the reason that i i figured that jordan would be good was not only do, did he get to sit for those three years? Did he have the benefit of watching one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game? He also had a really good situation that he was coming into, though it didn't work out as much as we thought it was going to. But I also was having conversations throughout the season with people that were playing him. So coaches on opposing staffs being like, asking them, what is this kid doing? Why, why, is he, why is he so good already? Or is he going to be good? Or this was all an amalgamation of not only what I saw with my eyes in tape and, in, and live, but also what the NFL evaluators around the league who had played him or prepared for him were saying. So that was, it was, it was a really, it's an incredible feat. And I really think that any postseason success at this point is gravy. So like, let's not be greedy here. If it doesn't work out this round, we don't need to go back into the pits of despair. Uh, if you're a Green Bay Packer fan, you got your quarterback of the future. You, it worked out. And for the foreseeable future, it looks like you're going to continue to have decades of success uh, with a guy under center. So I just, it, it's not fair for the rest of the league, but congratulations, Green Bay Packer fans. You, you did it again. Yeah, it's it's definitely not fair to the rest of the league, but they they did do it. It's the third consecutive franchise quarterback. It's been a lot of fun to watch him progress throughout the course of the season. And yes, this is a team that they're definitely going in to win this game and to cause chaos and make some noise right. and try to win football absolutely. games. But as I talked about with Sam Monson earlier this week, it's like if you would have asked any Packer fan at the beginning of the season, here's here's the contract. You can sign up. Jordan loves your franchise quarterback. He looks awesome. He looks amazing. And you go to the playoffs, nine and eight season. After that, we don't know, but you can sign on the dotted line right here. Um, would you sign up for it? I think literally everyone to a T would have been like, sign me the hell up. I'm all the right. way in. I will take right. nine and eight playoffs and Jordan Love being the guy, not to mention a bunch of really fun young wide receivers and tight ends that they've developed right. in the course of the season as well. Th this is a success no matter what. Now, there's still jobs to be done and you still want to go in and, and Dallas and compete and try to take away a win and, and see what you can do. But either way, and, and you wrote this week as well, and we can kind of transition to this one. The Packers head to the playoffs as the NFL's youngest team. There is so much to be excited about long-term I've said, and I, when I talked to justice earlier this week as well, that it's, it feels like green Bay is a season ahead on their sort of whatever transition, rebuild, reboot, I don't care, whatever adjective anyone wants to use. It feels like they're a year ahead. 
And if this mm-hmm. been like next year, or if like this year was a little bit more of a transition, maybe they go seven and 10 or uh, whatever it might be. And things are just a little bit more bumpy. And then next year they go nine and eight and make this run and everyone's starting to, 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 to look better. I think that would have been a normal progression, but they're doing it already in 2024, which I think is what's so exciting about this group. Yeah. I mean, you talk about the quarterback succession being the model that Green Bay follows, you know, for the past three decades, but it also includes the team around them. I mean, this is the MO and this is what Brett Favre started out with. This is what Aaron Rodgers started out with. This is what they tried to get Aaron Rodgers to do again last year, but he was very obviously reluctant to do so and bring along a a new age of youth and young pass catchers and young weapons on offense because this this is also part of it and it there are some bumps in the road to begin with but the fact that it took less than a season for not only Jordan Love to acclimate to the NFL game and this offense which he's been in for three years even if he wasn't operating it uh, but also for his receivers who are first in their first and second years in the league. I mean, Christian Watson is a veteran in this in this offense. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, same thing. And they are still 24, 25 years old, if that. I cannot stress how impressive that is and to have moved this team along so quickly because it's not done with a ton of vets that you're going that are going to need contracts super soon or anything like that. You're going to be able to continue to grow for the next two to three years without any sort of stress on your salary cap. And that is unheard of. It's kind of a cheat code. We're going to see what you can do defensively because there are some contracts on that side of the ball that are going to come due. But now you have the flexibility to maintain that. And that's why this whole model is very sustainable. And it's extremely impressive and why I'm not sure how much of a run Green Bay can go through into the postseason because they are so young and they're not immune to those young mistakes. But it's just, it's really cool to see, man. It really is. Absolutely. And it's, this is a whole nother episode for a whole nother day, but um, the difference if, if they, you know, continue to keep Aaron and have that exorbitant contract still on their books moving forward, um, don't have that development with Jordan Love, don't have the future of the franchise. And imagine if they do, like, imagine they go the other direction and they keep Aaron and they trade Jordan and Jordan is having this season for another team. Imagine it even worse if Aaron goes out and, and, and tears his Achilles for Green Bay in the first three weeks of the season. And like and you got rid of Jordan Love. And you got rid of Jordan Love and traded him away. And again, he's having this season for the Jets or Tampa or whomever might have traded for him. It's it is a nightmare scenario to think about. The other thing that struck me as we kind of talk about this sort of transition into this younger team that's been very viable for Green Bay and should be moving forward as well. I went back and I watched that Cowboys game from last year. This was November of last year. This was 14 months ago. There were 21 players. uh, There are 45 players that played on that day. 45 players that played for Green Bay against the Cowboys that day. Only 21 of which could potentially play this Sunday for Green Bay against the Cowboys just 14 months later. And that could drop to 17 if Watson, McDuffie, Dylan, or Jair in some of those forms do not play. These were some of the names that were playing on that Sunday just in, what was it, week 10 last year? Yeah, Robert yeah, Tunyon, like 
Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, David Bakhtiari, Alan Lazard, Aaron Rodgers, Dean Lowry, Jerron Reed, Razul Douglas, Rudy Ford, Adrian Amos, Dallin Levitt, Amari Rodgers, Mason Crosby, Sammy Watkins, Pat O'Donnell, Ramiz Ahmed, Tariq Carpenter, Kylan Hill, Jonathan Abram, Jonathan Garvin, Ladarius uh, Hamilton, John, was it Jack Coco it was, Samori Toure, and Tyler Davis. Just a entirely different team. And the transition yeah. from so many of those players to young first and you know, rookies and first year type players and still be uh, playing better, quite frankly. Uh, Goody deserves so much credit for what he's done with this team. The production that they're getting, that the Packers are getting out of, I mean, you look at Carrington Valentine, seventh round rookie, and you're you're starting him against the Chicago Bears in week 18. And you he's been a large part of that corner rotation, especially with Jair in and out of the lineup. It's incredible to watch not only uh, across the board how much production you're getting out of young players. I see it in Detroit too. Detroit has gotten some immediate returns on their young players. And again, you talk about cheat codes in the NFL. If you can do that, if you can identify that talent and have them be immediately productive for your team, you're securing them for three, four, five years under team-controlled contracts, which allows you to spend at your discretion and really kind of round out a team. It's, it's a wonderful way to build a team. Uh, like I said, I've talked extensively about that when it comes to the Detroit lions, but the Packers and Brian Gutenkunst deserve credit too, for that. And it's incredible. What's more incredible to me is especially offensively is the fact that you've had periods where Christian Watson has gone out. Romeo Dobbs has gone out where you've had injuries to these young players to begin with. And then Apparently, you've got another young player on your roster that can fill right in. You got Bo Melton coming on. You've got like guys that people hadn't even heard of. And it's just incredible to see that. Not only do you have starters that are first year players, but your depth is also yeah. working for you and being productive for you. It's, I, 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 yeah, Goody deserves to be in the GM of the year conversation. Absolutely. I think there are a couple guys out there that kind of are, are in that conversation, but I don't know how you don't put Goody in there too. No, he's definitely in the conversation. That's for sure. Uh, young 25 and under super talented players on rookie deals are like infinity stones in the NFL. You cannot collect enough of them. And if you get a bunch, you are like literally Thanos with the the glove. Like it is, you can do anything you want at that point. Exactly. You're powered up. Uh, so yeah, they've, they've got a lot of those in green Bay and it should serve them very, very well moving forward. And hopefully this Sunday, even against the, the Dallas Cowboys, we'll circle back to Packers Cowboys at the end, but let's take our normal spin around the NFC North. The Chicago Bears. It's been a very interesting season, um, and certainly it's gotten no different over the course of this past week. They decide to keep Matt Eberflus, uh, at least as of now, and I don't see that changing at this point. They fire their entire offensive staff. They have a massive decision upcoming on the future of their franchise and at the quarterback position. They said that Jalen Johnson is going to be staying. Um, that would be good news for them. That would be something that's positive at least. But, man, this just feels very classic Chicago Bears right now. Hey friends, I'm sure you're all familiar with some of the hassles of finding game tickets at a reasonable price without all the headaches that go along with it. I've been on a bit of a roll lately as I went through one ticketing service that never sent me the tickets and I had to panically try to get a hold of somebody the day of the game. I had another service that didn't allow me to transfer tickets. So when I could no longer go to the Wisconsin Iowa game, transferring the tickets was extremely difficult. It was just all so frustrating. That was until I found game time. GameTime is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets, and an even easier to use app. 
GameTime is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using GameTime, stress-free. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Oh, and GameTime is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code PACKADAY. Download GameTime today, last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is setting them up for a very complicated future. And that's something that I wrote about a lot this week. Just the fact that you are perpetuating this cycle of not having any sort of continuity between your GM, your head coach and your quarterback, um, at least in alignment. They talked a lot about continuity in the press conference, general manager, Ryan Poles and Maddie Riffles did. Uh, And I think that that was kind of the thinking behind keeping Matt because his, and and to his credit, the side of the ball that he deals most closely with did take tremendous strides towards the end of the season. And as far as that's concerned, you are right on track with the rebuild that you set out to do. This was not a one-year process. This wasn't even a two-year process. This was a three-year process for the Chicago Bears. And at the end of the second season, your defense has clicked and you probably have a decision on Justin Fields. I'm less confident, but I'm still confident that they're going to move on just because of the contract situation. Like it's not whether or not you believe Justin Fields can be a good player, but it's that you're in such a unique position. And Ryan Poles alluded to this yesterday. You're in such a unique position with the first overall pick without a first overall pick roster. They have a good roster. They have a lot of talent on their roster. I've, again, heard it from so many coaches that have played the Bears. Like, dude, that team's a lot better than you think it is. And it's true. So now you can set up a young player on a rookie contract for the next four to five years with a good team. And you have the cap space and you have the ga- the other capital to surround him with good and experienced talent. That, to me, makes the most sense. Now, do I know or think if the Bears are going to do that? I still don't know. I don't think I don't think they know. And that's what I kind of took away from that press conference was 
they are still evaluating things. I think you can take Ryan Poles at his word when he says that. I don't think a decision has been made. And it's because of the fact that he is okay with not having a quarterback decision when hiring an offensive coordinator. He talked about bringing coordinators in and in that interview process, having them tell the Bears brass, this is my, these are my options. Here's the quarterback options. Here's what I would do for each. Because what they really want in a coordinator is someone that is going to adapt to their personnel. And the best way to figure that out is giving them a bunch of options and saying, okay, how does it differ from each guy? I think that's a great way to, to kind of go about this. Um, but I don't think it speaks to whether or not they're going to keep Justin Fields. Uh, I do think one thing I haven't seen talked about a ton is the fact that the Bears are also staring down a stadium build in the on the horizon. That's that's what's coming very soon. That requires ownership to be very liquid and to put up a lot of money. What I feel like people don't understand about quarterback contracts or big time contracts in general is, yes, you're paying him 40 to 50 million dollars a year. Rarely do you ever let all 40 to 50 million hit the cap, which means you have to front a lot of that money as a signing bonus so you can lessen the cap hit that Justin Fields would be in the next two years and I don't and I think that was that went into why they kept Matt Eberflus because he's still on his contract they don't want to pay a coach that's not coaching for them which I've talked about all season you have to think about the monetary aspect of this whole situation from ownership's perspective which has not shown a willingness to spend money in the first place so you have this big stadium project, you have a coach under contract, you have an opportunity now to move on to a rookie quarterback on, on a team controlled deal and get him at a bargain. I do not see the Bears putting up all of that money. I could be wrong. Kevin Warren is the wild card here. He's new to all of this. I don't know if he can sway ownership any, you know, in a different way than we've seen them behave before. But I, that's, that's the biggest thing to me is you have to think about capital. Got to sell stock in the team, and then you get all that money up front, and <laughs> it's a it's a cheat code. Uh, you cover the Bears. I do not cover the Bears, but I will just say I would be one hundred percent shocked if Justin Fields is the quarterback going into next year. Like, yeah. I, it just it feels like it's an easy answer at this point. And, and as much as I do like Justin, I think he's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year for another team. I don't think there's any question about that. You, if you're usually a quarterback that's either keeping your your guys in employed or you're a quarterback that's getting your guys fired, and I don't think it was all Justin's we fault. Means, but uh, Justin did not perform, and his offensive staff just got fired. And really good quarterbacks that usually doesn't end up being the case. The other thing is, if you were to ask every team in the NFL, if you go all 31, and you can say, and it's not totally fair because not everyone needs a quarterback, but in just in general, if everyone was starting straight, you'd say you can have. Uh, you know, what will you trade me for the first round pick or what will you trade me for Justin Fields? Every single one of them is trading more for that first round pick to draft Caleb Williams, Drake May, whatever quarterback they want at that spot. Then they're trading for Justin. There's your answer. Every single team would give up more for that next quarterback than they would for Justin Fields. And I get that there is um, a little bit more risk because you have a baseline with Justin Fields. There is a right. at least a minimal safety net of where you, you know what you're going to get with it. You draft a quarterback and you trade away Justin and Justin plays well somewhere else and maybe makes the playoffs or something. And your quarterback comes in and is a bust. It's just like your, your whole franchise is just in a complete chaotic state then. But um, the you, I think you have to play for the, the best scenario, not to be afraid of the worst scenario. 
And it just, right. it's so clear and obvious that your best scenario is to take the guy at one. You still have a ton of draft capital. You can trade mm-hmm. away Justin for more draft capital. You start the, the salary cap clock over at the quarterback position. And you've got a pretty good defense already in hand with a defensive minded coach. It just feels like that's so inherently easy, like the right decision to make. The only thing that gives me pause is that it's the Chicago Bears. Otherwise, it seems very clear and obvious that this is the direction to go in. Well, I think that a way to attract an offensive coordinator too, with with little to no job security is to be like, hey, we're going to give you the first overall pick in the draft. We're going to give you the best quarterback in one of the best classes to come out in years to work with and to make sure that they align right away. It's it's worked before. I think it was Robert Mays of The Athletic uh, that pointed out that this was the scenario in Buffalo for the most part um, when they when Sean McDermott had to fire his staff, bring in Brian Dayball at the same time he brought in Josh Allen and look at how that worked. It worked out beautifully. It can work. And I get that it hasn't worked for the Bears, but Ryan Poles said you know, in the press conference yesterday that he's not going to let history dictate his decisions. They trust, and, and and that's exactly how you have to be as a GM, by the way. You have to be confident in your evaluation. You have to be confident in the coaches you have. You have to be confident in the front office staff that you have to be to, to go about your business how you want to do it, regardless of how another regime did it. Uh, I've had to go back and forth with people about, well, I think Drake May is even in the conversation. Like, I don't know that it's a foregone conclusion. It's Caleb Williams. And I've had people tell me there's no way Ryan Poles would take another North Carolina quarterback. If you think Ryan Poles cares a lick about Mitch Trubisky and that whole debacle, you are sorely, sorely mistaken. You never scout the helmet. That is the number one rule. Any GM will tell you none of that matters. And Drake May, from everything I've heard, like I said, the gap between him and Caleb Williams is not as big in NFL evaluators minds as I think people think it is now. I still think Caleb Williams is is the top quarterback in this class, but Drake may would have also been taken one overall. If he had come out last year, I believe he would have been taken ahead of Bryce young. I believe he would have been taken ahead of CJ Stroud. Although in hindsight, I know that's crazy. To say. Yeah. <laughs> but none of us really knew what CJ Stroud was going to turn into. So uh, point is the bears are going to go about this, how they feel is best and they're going to be aggressive about it, but they're also going to take a very holistic approach And I do think that moving on from Justin makes too much sense. And if he goes off and he's good somewhere else, great for him. But if you get Caleb Williams and he turns out to be good too, no harm, no foul. That's awesome. It worked out for everybody. Justin gets to start over somewhere new, which I think he needs. And you get a good quarterback. But imagine too, if you keep Justin put him in his third offense in four years. It doesn't click right away. And you're handing him $25 million in 2025 with the expectation that you're going to sign him to a longer term deal, which isn't a done deal, by the way. Um, And what if Caleb Williams goes out and he's the dude we all think he is? You could have had that. Yep. And you already passed on CJ Stroud. Like hindsight's 2020. I get that. But now you are, because you're picking first overall, you're responsible for that entire quarterback class. If one single quarterback in this cl- this current class between uh, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, if one single one of those guys ends up being good, you're on the hook for that because yep. you had the first overall pick and you could have taken them. And the Trubisky-Drake May thing is a, a great example of 
Well, if you would have had that same logic last year, you would have passed on CJ Stroud because you took Justin Fields already. So don't use the same logic just because. Don't use a joke. Please don't. Exactly. (laughs) So never quite know. You just, like you said, have to scout the player, not the helmet. Um, all right, let's go to a, a couple other quick ones in the, the division. Uh, Vikings, they've got some decisions. I will be interested to see if Brian Flores gets any head coaching opportunities. Haven't heard a ton yeah. about it as of yet. Um, Kirk Cousins, obviously a huge decision there. Where, where do the Vikings go from here? Yeah, Questy Dumplementsa, their general ma- the Vikings general manager, talked about how he his intention is to have Kirk Cousins back. And I think that that's the right call, regardless of if you bring in another quarterback, if you draft another quarterback what have you. I think that Kirk Cousins is a valuable resource for any of your players. I think hopefully he'll be ready to start the season. I mean, an Achilles injury, you just never know. Um, But I know Kevin O'Connell really likes him. That entire organization really likes him. So I think that Kirk Cousins will be a part of this Minnesota Vikings team, barring another offer from another team that perhaps would be more lucrative. Um, But I think if they give him a fair shake, because Kirk Cousins talked about this too. Like it's not necessarily the money, but it's what the money represents. If they give him a fair shake, I see Kirk Cousins being back with this team. The, you, you talked about Brian Flores not really getting a lot of buzz as a, as a head coaching candidate. And that to me is kind of strange because of what he did to this defense. I don't want to see him go from Minnesota because seeing this defensive transformation has been so cool. And you just, you think about like the what if factor is just crippling for Vikings fans right now because with the way the defense came on, if you had still had Kirk Cousins and that offense firing like it was capable of with a good quarterback under center, this is a absolute playoff team, if not a Super Bowl contender at this point. And that is maddening for Minnesota fans. And I know they it this happens all the time to them. And I always feel so bad. So you want I want that continuity for them. I want them to be able I want the Vikings to be able to see what they have with a serviceable quarterback and a good offense paired with Brian Flores' defense. And I think because we haven't heard a ton, like maybe maybe that he will stay put, especially given the caliber of coaching candidates that are now out there. Um, I don't think there's there's not more. I like every I, I tweeted about this earlier, but coaches count on about a quarter of the league turning over every year, and that's kind of what's happened already. But the fact that guys like Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick are on the market is just incredible. So I think that some of these guys that are head coaching fridge, head coaching candidates are kind of like taking a backseat to some of these opportunities. Cause there's only so many, but uh, I, I would love to see Brian Flores stay in Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, it makes a ton of sense for him to stay. And, and like you said, with all the candidates out there, um, th- that opportunity might just be there, but there are some some opportunities out there and maybe he'll end up getting an interview and who knows and we'll have to go from there. But Minnesota's in for a very interesting offseason, not quite the caliber of like the craziness that's going on in Chicago, but they've got some major decisions to make as well. Uh, meanwhile, the Lions are in the playoffs. We get our Matthew Stafford Detroit Lions matchup that I predicted. I said the Stafford would eliminate the Lions. I think I said he'd eliminate the Lions. At least I said I know they'd they'd be in the matchup was my prediction at least. But um, either way, it should be a really fun matchup this week. Yeah, I'm really pulling for the Lions. And I'm pulling for Jared Goff in particular just because Matthew Stafford got his. Uh, He also, like, the, the Rams wanted Matthew Stafford. They traded for him. And then he went out and he got the Super Bowl. Jared Goff was discarded and left for dead, quite honestly. It was a consolation prize. Like, hey, here, yeah, you can have Jared Goff. Jared Goff has been wonderful for this Lions team, and not Mm -hmm. only on the field, but as a leader. 
And he deserves it. He deserves to win a playoff game, especially given the fact that Detroit hasn't done that in so long. And he deserves to be the one playing in this game that is the first playoff game to ever be played in Ford Field. He was there for the 3-13 and first year of Dan Campbell. And now he's taken this team with the help of the coaches and the team around him to this mini mountaintop. It's a summit. It's not a mountaintop, I guess. It's a summit. And I would really like to see the Lions continue that trajectory because, again, you talk about people that are ahead of their rebuild uh, or teams that are ahead of their rebuild. I think the Rams are ahead of their rebuild. So I don't know that anybody really had this happening for the Rams this year or had any sort of postseason hopes for the Rams. I certainly didn't, but, I mean, I don't cover them. But the Lions absolutely have lived up to the expectations. They won the division convincingly. They are going into the offseason with so much momentum, and I just – would love to see them make some noise like I know they're capable of. And what a better way than to invite an old friend back and do it. I love that you brought up Jared Goff. He doesn't get anywhere near the credit that he deserves. And he's been really, really good in Detroit. And I know Ben Johnson gets a lot of credit. Um, obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown is a tremendous weapon for them. Laporta at tight end. They've got they've got great weapons there, but uh, he's been a really good quarterback for them basically since the day they acquired him and has really put on a, an impressive performance. People forget um, I know McVay gets a lot of credit back in the day for, you know, when they got there, but you know, Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl as a starting quarterback. So yeah, he did. um, you know, he 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 doesn't get the credit he deserves. All right, last but not least, Cowboys Packers, keys to the game. What are you gonna be watching for? Uh, I'm gonna be watching for how they attack CD Lamb or the Packers defense attack CD Lamb because what we haven't seen out of this Packers defense, even lately, is just the ability to I mean a little bit more, I should say, lately but we haven't consistently seen them being able to adjust in game. And what the Cowboys can do so well, what CeeDee Lamb can do so well is he can move around. He can go out of any alignment. You cannot just play him the same way throughout the entire game because he, they have the Dallas offense has things at its disposal to make sure that if you're covering CeeDee Lamb one way, they can change that up and make and force you into a different coverage. And if you don't have a plan for that, I'm concerned. And the fact of the matter is that CeeDee Lamb has a target on his back. He's a top five receiver in this league, and he still gets open. And he still has the lion's share of targets and yards and catches for this Dallas Cowboys offense. And he's got a quarterback playing at an MVP level in Dak Prescott. So that is the biggest thing to me is how can you take away CeeDee Lamb and how can you maintain that coverage or that that level of shutting him down? I think in general – We've seen a lot of Joe Barry going into a game with a certain game plan. And if that game plan doesn't work, they're kind of screwed. You need to be able to adjust, and we need to see that a little bit more. I would love to see that pass rush keep up. Nine sacks in the last two games of the season, but those came against a Nick Mullins-led Vikings team and, a Chicago, and the Chicago Bears. I have to take that with a grain of salt. As good as it was to see, I need that to keep up against a really good offensive line and a guy in Dak Prescott that can recognize all sorts of pressures and everything coming his way. There's not much that this guy hasn't seen. So that's the biggest thing to me, uh, I guess, uh, defensively and then offensively. You need to get Aaron Jones involved. This guy's splits against Dallas are phenomenal. If you can get him going, that opens up so much of your offense that gets Jordan Love to be comfortable and it takes the pressure, especially off of these young receivers and tight ends who are not immune to those young mistakes. I think Dallas is going to try to exploit that youth as much as possible defensively. I think they're going to move Micah Parsons around. He's He's been very good out of different alignments um, and trying to confuse Jordan Love with the front. But then also Dan Quinn is really good 
in switching up coverages, uh, especially when you consider the rotation that he uses on that back end. And I just, that's going to be confusing. And that's not going to be necessarily something Jordan Love has seen. And honestly, I'm not going to put it past a guy like Dan Quinn, who has been in this league for a long time, to bring something new out for this game. And that's what good coaches do. I fully expect Dan Quinn to do that. So they got to be ready for that. And, And Jordan Love has to have the guys that he can rely on he has to be able to rely on the guys that are supposed to be able to be relied on. Packers fans aren't going to necessarily like this, but I do think the defensive coordinators in this game are going to be beyond massive in how they perform because uh, Dan Quinn, I know is going to have things ready for Jordan love and make things as complicated as possible for him. And Green Bay needs to make it so that Dan Quinn needs to try some of those things and that it's not just, they can't run the football and you can just get after it with Lawrence and Parsons and Williams and those guys. um, Cause that will make your day a nightmare if, if he doesn't have to do anything. But um, even if, even if you do force him to change things up, he will. And I think it's going to be a, a really difficult challenge for this Packers offense because of that. On the flip side, you mentioned it. CeeDee Lamb is a force multiplier with what he brings to an offense. He just changes the dynamics of the game. And because you have to overcompensate for him, it opens things up for other just, I mean, I say lesser players. It's just, that's not a knock on them. It's just, they're not CeeDee Lamb. Um, but that that is a challenge as well. And we haven't seen Joe Barry necessarily live up to those challenges, as you just mentioned a minute ago. So I do think the defensive coordinators in this one are huge. And I think how they adjust in game could go a long way in deciding this one, which gives me a little bit of nerves and anxiousness. But uh, hopefully it's a little bit more akin to what we've seen these past two weeks from the Packers defense um, than earlier in the season. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Carmen, any final thoughts, anything you'd like to plug on the way out? Uh, obviously, amazing stuff as always. No, thank you. Uh, well, I will be in Dallas for this game, so it's going to be very interesting. It's my first time at AT and T. I'm very excited about this press box spread, um, but I I'm going to be there firsthand, and we're we're gonna we're gonna ride this train as long as long as it's going in the postseason. So I'm very excited. I love it. Enjoy the game. Make sure to follow her on X at Carmi V. You can find her on Fox Sports. You can find the podcast at Packaday Podcast. You can find me at Andy Herman NFL. That's going to do it for us today. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. 